Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. <laughs> Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. All right, good to have you tuning in tonight. It is 7.06 Eskimos and Red Blacks coming up on Friday night. 8 o'clock kickoff. Brickfield, the Commonwealth Stadium. Our coverage will start at 6. If you missed the roster update earlier, kicker Hugh O'Neill not expected to play. So that would mean Sean White would have to kick off and punt as well. Ellingson and Daniels likely to go in the receiving core. Don Unamba returns at linebacker. He has played only one half this season. Defensive back Anthony Orange has played only one game. He is expected to return as well. First meeting of the season between the Eskimos and the Red Blacks. All right, well, uh, this is going to be fun. This is going to be really fun. In a few minutes, you are going to hear from a couple of guys who, if you've ever attended uh, an Edmonton Prospects game or a, a baseball game in the Edmonton area, you have probably booed one of these two gentlemen. And I bet you they didn't deserve it. But we have a couple of uh, umpires in studio. You know what? I, I'm actually going to see if I can get thrown out of my own studio. Maybe I can get ejected. Wouldn't that be something, Kellen? If they gave me the old heave-ho. <laughs> I'll do my best uh, Bobby Cox. Doesn't he have the record? Yes. Is it Earl Weaver that he passed? I think it was Weaver that he passed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to see if I can get... No, I'm not going to I'm not going to do that. Be like those minor league umps in the States that just bring random stuff out of the dugout. I could do a whole theatrical presentation. And, yeah. And, and uh, was the, remember that guy a few years ago, he pretended he was throwing a hand grenade and sneaking yeah. up on home plate. I can't remember the guy's name. That, there's a point there where... They obviously know they're they're doing it to get on on TV and YouTube or whatever we have nowadays. So uh, uh, Corey Dar- Corey Davis and Darren Dakender are in studio, and they are actual human beings. <laughs> now, usually, I would not make a big deal about having human beings on the show, but. The, this topic is related to uh, umpires in baseball, specifically in the Atlantic League, who um, basically are not human beings. So let's get to that part of the story first. And I'm pleased to welcome to the show the uh, president of the Atlantic League of Professional Baseball, Rick White. Rick, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Reed. Thanks so much for having me on today. It's great to have you on the show, and this is a really interesting topic that I know gets a lot of people talking, and uh, I told a buddy today, I said, yeah, I'm interviewing the president of the Atlantic League about robotic umpires, and I could tell by his initial reaction, his image was of RoboCop or C-3PO behind the plate uh, calling balls and strikes. It's it's not quite like that. Before we get into some of the reaction and and what's happening here, maybe give us the, the nuts and bolts of the technology, so to speak. Simply put, we're working with an advanced 
analytics collector and, and distributor of information called TrackMan. TrackMan makes a unit that is installed in all of our ballparks, just like in Major League Baseball. It gathers and measures information from occurrences on the field, but specifically in this case, it is tracking a pitcher, his delivery to the plate, uh, whether or not the pitch is a strike, and then once that is recorded on an instantaneous basis through a communications device that has been uh, put together by Major League Baseball, we are communicating with an umpire so that he can signal whether or not the ball was truly within the rule book strike zone. In some cases, he has a chance to override that, but in 98% of the cases, he is signaling the, quote, automated ball or strike as delivered to him by the system. Okay, so this technology, well, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but, but the, the advantages would be it's, it's consistent and it, it's batter to batter consistent. It's taking the entire judgment out of it and, and a pitcher should be able, and a batter, I guess, should be able to rely on that ball there all night long is going to be called the same way all night long. That's exactly right, Reed. And so in addition to consistency, it's accurate. So even though some of us are different sizes, it assigns an appropriate strike zone for each batter based on his height. It also evaluates then if the ball is within that individual strike zone or outside. But as you suggest, that strike zone and that call will be the same in every one of our eight ballparks. Okay, so I, I have to ask what the umpire reaction has been, because as you said, there's still a human umpire there to relay the call and jump in if, if something goes wrong, but they're not having that effect on the game that they used to and, and let's face it some of the old school umps over the years have said yeah i'm allowed to have my own strike zone i'm an ump right so so what what has <laughs> what has what has been the human reaction to to this technology i'm curious we we should note that we are not deploying major league umpires in our ballparks uh, but our umpires are very very good and they have years of experience at very high levels of amateur and especially professional play. They were, from the first day, enthusiastic, supportive, and curious. And I say curious because I think they looked at each other and they looked at us and they said, how is this gonna work? And so we took great pains to go through the analytic system, to go through how we were signing strike zones, to literally communicate how the system was calling balls and strikes. And then we made it clear that we are not trying to eliminate their jobs. If we're trying to eliminate their jobs, we'd just use bells or whistles or lights or something like that. Umpires still run the game. And in the case of a home plate umpire, he still needs to be alert because if a ball bounces in front of the plate, but bounces up through the track man strike zone, that's not a strike. If there's a check swing, a hit by pitch, uh, catcher's interference, or other occurrences, he has to be completely alert in order to make the right call, even though that.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply might be directly opposite the call he's hearing in his earpiece. Okay. I'm glad you explained an, an exception there that might apply. That's really cool. Rick Rick White joining us in Inside Sports. He's the president of the Atlantic League. He's telling you about the uh, automated ball strike system they're using in, in their league this season. Um, so what is... I'm curious, too, about, about the fan reaction, if you've gauged that yet. I know this isn't replay, but in a sport I cover a lot, the NHL hockey, there is instant replay, and it's always a talker, and there are always some people who say we should expand it and use it for everything, and there's still a lot of fans who say players make mistakes, sometimes ref makes, refs make mistakes, and, and maybe we should just live with the fact that it's a human game played by humans who, who can sometimes make mistakes. Do you, have you got any of that feedback from fans? Yeah. <laughs> Next to Commissioner Manfred, I think I am the second most reviled person in the history of baseball <laughs> traditionalists. There you go. Uh, that, if you're judging from my unsolicited email, you know, it's always the folks who complain versus the folks who compliment that you hear from. Putting that aside, um, I'll, I'll tell you a funny story. I was at one of our games last night because last night we unveiled the system on a full-time basis in three of our eight parks. I was delighted when I heard some fella from behind me say, come on up, you missed that one. And he was talking about balls and strikes. (laughs) It was pretty clear to me that Major League Baseball has done something very important and they have maintained the umpire in charge. And if you were to watch one of our games last night, Reed, you would look at this and say, I don't see any difference other than the fact that that things seem to be more consistent behind the plate. And uh, what we deliberately did not want to do was put the umpire in a compromising position or one where he might be behind the plate but not have any opportunity to, quote, signal a pitch, close quote. And I believe that driven by baseball uh, at the major and at our levels, uh, that has been the appropriate decision to make because it looks like an ordinary game. Here's the thing we've seen with our umpires that I think might come as a surprise to your listeners. Yes, on one hand, they look at us and say, gee, I might not have called that a strike or I might not have called that a ball. But on the other hand, to a person, they will tell us they want to get the call right. And if it means that they have to use an assist from a computer and from a radar tracking device, they're all in because they want to create parity in competition, not disparity because they might have blown a ball strike call. And they'll admit privately that occasionally they do. We don't celebrate that. We don't punish them for that. But we think it's important that the strike zone be the same, whether the count is 0-2, 3-1, or 3-2. 
and, and I think our umpires support that as well. Please tell me you turned around and had a little quip for the guy who heckled the ump. <laughs> I'm not that clever. I sure <laughs> wish I did, but I, I, but I, I will tell you, I was sitting next to my wife and next to the chairman of the league, and I nudged both of them, and I said, I think we're succeeding because it looks so ordinary. And uh, I was asked last night what I thought, and I said, we just saw something that was extraordinarily ordinary, and that's what we're hoping for. That's a that's a great way to put it. Well, this this is this is a fun topic, and a, and I think in a variety of sports, we're going to continue to talk about the introduction of various forms of technology here as we continue to move along. Hey, Rick, thanks for checking in on Inside Sports on six thirty, Chad in Edmonton tonight. All the best with the new system, and I hope we can talk again. Thanks so much. I'll look forward to it, Reed. You take care. That is Rick White, the president of the Atlantic League and the automated ball strike system well he likes it and he says everybody likes it well he's the president of the league he's gonna say that i was uh, very interested sitting in studio with a couple of umpires from right here in edmonton cory da- cory davis and darren dakender as they listen to rick white and you're going to get their thoughts on the automated ball strike system. And we'll get some stories about umpiring in general, all coming up on Inside Sports. Hi, this is Ryan Eugene Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. All right, the Canadian battle at the Rogers Cup tonight. It will be Felix Auger-Alassime moving on as Milos Raonic won the second set but uh, had to retire after the second set. So Felix uh, moves on. And some good news, Kellen. We, we, we found this Edmonton Stingers tickets. Oh, yes. Well, sort of. Our robot had them. Yes. We're, we're not giving them away on the show. We're giving them away online. So you Woo. go to the contest page on 630shed.com mm-hmm. and you fill out a ballot or something. I yep. don't know. You got to type your name in. Like, don't get out a marker and write on your screen. You got to type your name into the box. Got to get interactive online. Get, <laughs> that's that's right. So you can go to the Stingers game tomorrow. We will give you tickets. They're playing the Saskatchewan Rattlers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Seven o'clock at the Expo Center. Nine wins in a row for the Stingers. They are doing great. Okay, in studio tonight with a couple of umpires. Corey Davis. Hello, Corey. Hi. Darren Dakender. How's it going? Greetings, all. How long have you been an umpire, Corey? This is uh, season number 36 for me. That's incredible. I didn't yeah, think you were... So. What? I, you must have been umping since you were an infant. Yeah, I started when I was 11 years old. Yeah. Darren, how long for you? This is my 23rd season. Amazing. Okay, so we just had the interview with uh, Rick White from the Atlantic League. They're using the... Uh, they call it the automated ball strike system. And he explained how it works. So if, if people are just tuning in or just to recap... There is a human umpire behind home plate who gets a Bluetooth message from the robot, an automated message saying whether it's a ball or strike. He claims it's a consistent strike zone all the way through the game. He says the umps love it, players love it, everybody's happy. Heidi ho away we go. Uh, just in theory, Corey, I'll start with you. Like, as an umpire, does this... Uh, does this alarm you? Does this say, oh, this, this, this is helpful? I just wonder when you hear about this and hear that interview, what do you think? Uh, well, I, I think the first thing that, that he talked about in regards to everybody wants to get it right, that part is 100% true, whether you have a 
you know, a player, a manager, an umpire, uh, we all want the call to be right. Uh, I would say with absolute certainty that, especially at the professional level, uh, those guys are right, those umpires are right a lot of the time, uh, far more than they get credit for. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did watch uh, some highlights from the, the Atlantic League when the, the first night that they introduced this system. Uh, I would venture to say that the players certainly were not pleased with uh, the technological outcome. Um, you know, there was a, lo- a lot of pitches I think that a human umpire would not have called uh, the same way that the computer did, uh, that at least visibly looked to be incorrect. So I, I think there's some technology issues for sure that they need to get ironed out before they roll this out at the major league level but um yeah i wouldn't say that everybody was happy i think from the umpire's perspective um it's difficult to you know knowing that this is how the last half of the season is going to go for the atlantic league is they're going to use this technology and they have to give it a a fair trial run Uh, i don't think there's much that the umpires will will do to to uh, voice their concern one way or the other, they're gonna they're gonna be fair and, mm-hmm. and give it a run. But uh, yeah, I would say that certainly for any educated umpire watching that game or the first couple games, uh, they would say there's a lot of issues with the technology for sure. Darren, doesn't this take kind of the fun out of it for the home plate ump? I mean, doesn't that's the that's the home plate ump's the the best ump job on the field? I would think if when you get that in the rotation. So now you're just parroting what a, a computer's telling you. Yeah, I, I think that's probably a fair comment, Reid. I think it probably does take the, some of the fun out of the game, some of the reasons why we're there. Um, I would also suggest that standing back there has its own inherent risks. Uh, we eat some foul balls from time to time. Uh, I think it'd be a whole lot less fun to eat a foul ball when really, why am I standing back here if I'm not there to watch pitches arrive in the catcher's mitt? That's a good way to put it. Okay, we got a break for the 7.30 news. Uh, these guys are sticking around. Corey Davis... Darren Dakender, umpires, you guys obviously do Western Canadian Baseball League, you do prospects games, you've done a whole bunch of games. I want to get into your careers and umping in general, but we want to talk about the automated balls and strikes. And uh, here's your chance, everybody. Do you have a question for an ump? Like an actual question. They've been told they suck enough, and they don't, but they get told that. If you, do you have an actual mature feedback or question for an umpire? Here's your chance to text 630-630. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chan. All right, well, we're already getting some uh, texts coming in. We have a couple of umpires in studio. Corey, da- Corey Davis, Darren Dakender. Uh, so primarily, just to give some context here, what does a, a baseball season look like for you guys? Darren, I'll start with you. Is it mostly prospects games? Is, is it everything? What are, you, what are you doing? It's a big mix of games, actually, Reid. Uh, um, I do a lot of ma- amateur baseball. Uh, prospects is, uh, would be part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I was fortunate to do the Capitals when they were here. Nice. Uh, but I would do everything from probably the youngest group that I would do now would be 13 and under and uh, up to uh, 18, 18 new baseball, which would be the highest level that Baseball Alberta would have for kind of amateur youth athletes. Sir, so you must be doing a game almost every day. Um, well, I could do a game almost every okay. day, but uh, my my body lets me do uh, maybe a few more ga- a few less games than that per year. Okay, so. and Corey, same same type of schedule for you. Yeah, uh, last couple of years have been a little bit different for me too. Uh, I have a, a young son who just started umpiring as well, so oh. I've I've. Uh, 
spent some time with him on the field over the last couple seasons and really enjoyed that as well. So uh, you said you started jumping when you were when you were 11? 11 years and old. And Darren, what was it for you? 29. Oh, okay. So that's that's interesting. I'll I'll start with Corey. Why did you get into umpiring? Uh, umpiring. I've I've interviewed umps, officials in various sports, and that's always a great question because there is nothing to me, there is nothing glamorous or appealing about the job because you in the eyes of the fans, you can only be wrong. <laughs> Even if, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I have actually a really interesting story about how I started. I was a player, uh, and not a very good player, but uh, I went to register one year uh, to play baseball, and there was a, a sign on the door that said, umpire clinic this weekend. And I, I thought, okay, I'll go to that, and maybe a chance to earn a few bucks. Uh, and it was great. I, I went and umpired, and they paid me $5 cash right after the game, and I stopped and bought a Slurpee on the way home and discovered that, man, I really like Slurpees. So, uh, um, yeah, the, my umpiring money kind of fed my Slurpee habit for the first couple years and then uh, had a chance to work with some better guys and, and uh, do some better baseball and just gradually progressed from there. Darren? Yeah, I started as an adult. Um, I, I don't know how you could have done this when you were a young kid and, and the kind of pressure that you receive from the adults on the field. The coaches can sometimes be pretty intimidating. Uh, I, yeah, I started as a, as a young guy. Just I've always loved baseball. Baseball was always my favorite sport, I guess, other than maybe than hockey as a good Canadian kid. Uh, baseball was always the thing, and, and uh, I wanted to find some way to get involved when I was older, and, and uh, yeah, I went, uh, went to a clinic, and, and much like Corey, started with kind of learning the game and and you know saw there was an opportunity to kind of move up if you were if you were keen and interested and and applied yourself to learn the rules and learn the techniques of the game you could advance and uh have been fortunate to have worked all kinds of games so Corey, as a kid how did you deal with because in, as an adult it's different you're, you're you're more confident you are get a better read on whether someone's maybe trying to intimidate you or is actually angry or going over the edge. As, as a kid, as a teen, you're still learning about some of those emotions yourself. So how did you deal with maybe coaches, parents, players coming at you? Uh, I would say at first, not very well. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I felt like I, I had to be right all the time. And, and you know, when coaches or spectators in particular, probably that was probably the worst uh, element, you know, when they started to get on you a little bit, I would get my back up and I would, um, you know, sometimes even bark back at them. Um, and I thought if I could maybe be over officious, that would maybe get them off my back. And it, it, you know, I, it took me a little bit of time, but I realized actually that, you know, it had the exact opposite effect. And you, you know, you maybe started talking to, to one fan and all of a sudden you had 20 or 50 on the, and you, I learned over time that that was just a no win situation. So, uh, I really started more to you know, more to watch, you know, veteran officials and saw how they handled those situations and focused more on what I was doing versus some of that other peripheral right. stuff. Yeah. Darren, uh, we, were, we were talking during the during the news break um, that that you will listen to to Rob Brown and I after Oilers games sometimes. And, and you know, like, you know, as as a, someone in the media and an observer, I have no problem saying that an official that I think they missed a call. I have no problem saying an NHL referee. Had a bad game. I, I like. I think as an observer and as someone who talks about the performance of players and, and refs, I, I have no problem saying that. I'm not going to, you know, attack a guy personally or anything like that. Um, I, I think that 
you know, there's, well, I'll kind of let you take it because you had some good observations during the break. There's there's a different experience for fans critiquing an umpire or, or a referee or a linesman in terms of how invested they are in the outcome of the game. Yeah, I, I think that the fans, the coaches, the players, uh, they're, and they're striving to win. They're, they're, they want a preferred outcome. They want a call, and they want it desperately. And as an official, you cannot get wrapped up in the emotion of that situation. You have to, you have to be that objective, impartial individual, and, and you have to just judge the call. And whatever the outcome is, uh, you can't have a preferred outcome as an official. Uh, and I think that that's something that takes some time to really learn, mm-hmm. um, to control your own emotions in a game. Um, and, uh, and as you get better at that, I think you become a better official. Okay, yeah, well said. Okay, we got some texts coming in. I'm, I'm glad people want to participate here. I, I'm going to read this first from a texter to 630-630 because this, this was my question anyway. At what point do you toss a player? And I'll extend that, I guess, for, for a manager, too. It's often managers that get thrown out. I was joking about getting the old heave-ho. Baseball is known for the arguments between participants and umpires perhaps being a little more theatrical than in, than in other sports. So what is, I'll start with you, Corey, what is the the line where you might have to say, okay, I, I actually got to get this individual out of this game? Uh, well, the rule book dictates some of that. So there's there's some situations that, where the rule book says that you have to eject. Mm-hmm. Uh, those situations are you know things where uh, you know maybe a, a pitcher intentionally threw at a batter, sure, uh, things like that. But for the you know the more I guess the more entertaining stuff, uh, <laughs> I would say when it when it gets personal, uh, and the, there's a big difference between criticizing the call and criticizing the person that made the call. Uh, and lots of times this is accompanied with, you know, colorful language and, the, and you know, there's, I think that's the, when you start criticizing me as a person, then we, we maybe have a problem. And okay. I'm going to tell you probably to stop doing that. And if you don't, um, sometimes I might not even tell you to stop if it's, if it's bad enough. Uh, so yeah, when it gets personal, I think that's the, the defining line. But sure. Darren, don't some managers come out of the dugout looking to get ejected to maybe fire up their team or get a spark? Like, have you ever thought, okay. That, that I, does happen yeah. from time to time. Um, maybe not as frequently as you might think. Okay. Um, but, but I would say this, the best managers, they know what they can and can't say. And so really they know when they're going to get ejected and when they're not. So, um, you know, the most experienced season managers, maybe they're going to fire up their guys, maybe they're not. Maybe they think they're protecting their players, uh, which is a very common thing. Mm-hmm. So they, they realize that a player has done something that he shouldn't, he said something he shouldn't. Uh, and so they realize that somebody has to jump on the grenade and uh, they're prepared to do that. Um, you know, I can think of a manager uh, in a game I did one time who uh, I, think, I think the pitcher that was sitting beside him was a guy that was kind of chewing on me most of the game and I'd warned him. Um, and I think uh, late in the game he'd, uh, he'd said something and I looked over in the dugout and I think the manager sitting beside him knew and he ran out of the dugout right away and kind of took the bullet for him because he knew that guy would be needed to pitch in relief later in the game. Amazing. And, and I'm good with that. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, there, the, I mean, there's a lot of um, cliches, sayings about sports that often don't turn out not to be true. So I'm going to ask you guys this. Darren, I'll start with you. Can you argue balls and strikes? You cannot argue balls and strikes. So that's that's one of the okay. specific things in the rule book for which, for which there's ejection. But what's... Okay, so if I'm a catcher, 
Yep. And uh, there's a pitch that comes in, and, and I think it caught the bottom of the strike zone, and, and you call it a ball. And without turning around while I'm throwing the ball back to the pitcher, I say, uh, I say, hey, man, that was a strike last inning. Is that arguing balls and strikes, or is that me just trying to give you a nudge? So more likely, Reed, they're not going to say that was a strike. They're going to say, where did you have that pitch? Okay. Or where did that pitch miss? And we're going to have a conversation where I can give him some information. I had that pitch down. He goes, well, was it close? Yeah, it was close. Near the bottom? Yeah, real close to the bottom. Okay. And now he's got some information to help his pitcher right. hit the spot the next time. So more it's a conversation, that situation, than it is him telling me I was wrong or me telling him he was wrong. It's it's that kind of dialogue. And, and actually, we have that often with lots of catchers. Okay. And 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 uh, Corey batters too. Like you're comfortable with a batter saying, uh, you know, was uh, what part of the zone did that get, or yeah, or where did I you think see some that of the one? common things you might hear from a hitter? Um, you call a pitch that maybe they think is outside. They might turn and and say, you know, is that as far as you're going? Um, okay. Did that catch the corner? Um, you know, where'd you have that? It, more the asking versus the telling. I think you know, same as a catcher. So uh, I think, we, and Darren's right. We have you know dozens of conversations like that during a game. For sure. so it's part of the, the 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 culture of the game. How they're questioning the call in a way that you guys can say, you know, this is this is what I'm seeing. Like let's yeah, let's all right, stay cool right. so, about it. You know, Corey talked about it getting personal. So you know, if if the batter asks that, is that the edge or is that the top? He wants to know kind of the boundaries of the strike zone. We can help him with some information. If he turns around and comes towards me and makes a obvious show of that, that might be a really different situation. Right. right? Okay. And I notice, I, it just seems to, I'll, I'll notice sometimes even batters will look at the pitcher while they're saying that. Even, right. Like, so that's not obvious. They're not making a, trying to show anybody up. Right. They, they just might, might say that. So... Right. That's okay. And we work hard at not showing up the players in those spots either. Right. So we make no hand gestures. We'll have that conversation, but we try hard to keep that conversation quiet so that we're also not embarrassing the players in any way as well. All right. Here's another uh, question I want to ask you, because I always heard this since I was a little kid, and then a guy I knew at the TV station in Lloydminster told me, no, 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 that's not true. So now I have two umps in studio. Ty goes to the runner. Corey, I'll put you on the spot. True or false? That is false. Uh, there, there are no ties. Um, so I, you know, I've been doing this for a long time. I have never had a situation where I just came out and said, yeah, there, there's a tie. Uh, so we'll, we'll leave half the runner at first base and we'll send the other half back to the dugout. So you either beat the throw or you don't. That's right. So technically, though, then a tie goes to the defense. Uh, by rule, yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I just, um, the, I the runner has to beat the throw. Okay. Uh, at a, this texture says, at a young age, would you think it'd be better for the umpire to be behind a pitcher? Would that help them know where the strike zone is? Well, that's an interesting perspective. Would that help? I don't think so. No? No. Um, maybe from a safety perspective, and, and you know, I've, I've done some games with my son in the last couple of years doing lower levels of ball with catchers who are less than experienced at blocking pitches and you, you get banged up a little bit but there's I mean there's going to come a time for sure where you know the best place to call balls and strikes is it's always behind the catcher for sure 
Darren, we brought you guys in because of the uh, automated balls and strikes system being used at the Atlantic League. If, if you missed how that's working, there is a human umpire behind the plate. There's basically, a, you know, sensors reading the strike zone. The ball goes either through the strike zone or doesn't. The ump gets a the word in his ear. He, he says it out loud. He's there in case it breaks down or there's a funny situation where it bounces. Uh, Major League Baseball has... Instant replay challenges. Obviously, every pro sport pretty much has challenges to some extent. As an ump, are you? And you said you're a hockey fan too. Like, are you comfortable with where this is headed? Or are you? You know, because you're an ump, are you just like, look, humans make mistakes. Humans and personalities and experience are involved. Like, where are you at with just the technology that's been incorporated into the game? So, uh, at the bit of waxing a little philosophic on Please do. Topic. Yeah, this is great. Um, you know, when, when replay first came into baseball, uh, it was obvious what we wanted to do was correct those egregious errors. So, everybody remembers the Galarraga game where potentially he had a perfect game, and on the 27th right. out, there was a missed call at first base, and so now we didn't have a perfect game. Joyce was the umpire, that's, right? See, I remember correct. the name. Jim Joyce How many was umpires umpire. could I name? Yeah. And... Uh, and so we, you know, we have that kind of a situation. So we think, you know, if we had replay, we could fix the egregious errors like that. And now we've progressed to the point where we're trying to get everything perfect. And instead of having a replay fix the egregious errors, we heard President Rick White say that if a ball bounces and then trans and then passes through the strike zone, we'd like to have a human there to correct the computer. <laughs> right. <laughs> So we, we've really come a great distance here in terms of what we thought technology could bring. I think it has a place. I think there's some specific kinds of calls in all sports where sometimes replay can be really, really helpful. Um, but I also think that there is a human element to the game. Um, and I think that the officials are as much humans as the players and the other participants in the game. And together, that's what makes sport great. Corey, when you're the home plate umpire, and I asked Rick White this, and maybe this is another misconception about baseball, do human umpires all have their own strike zones? And if so, is should that be accepted as part of the game? I would say at one time, um, and you know, I can remember some major league umpires, you know, guys who are long since retired, you know, telling me that, you know, yeah, there were there were times where they would take hitters to school. Uh, so to say, they you know hitter would irritate them, and they would you know intentionally call pitches that were outside the rule book zone uh, as strikes to send messages. I would say, you know, in the last couple decades, that that has almost completely disappeared. So I don't think there's any intent by uh, the major league staff for sure to have their own. I think they want to they want. You know, they want to have as much consistency as the players want yeah. them to have. So I don't think there's much credence to that argument anymore. All right, we're going to spend a few more minutes with these guys after the break. Umpires Darren Dakender, Corey Davis are in studio. You can text your questions to 630-630. This is a fun chat. Inside Sports on 630 Chat. Subscribe to the Inside Sports Podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. This is 630 Chad Inside Sports. Okay, we're going to have to bring these guys back. Umpires Corey, Dar- Corey Davis, Darren Dakender in studio here 
on uh, Inside Sports. We start talking about automated balls and strikes, but we've talked a lot about umpiring and, and, and officiating in general. It's been really interesting, guys. Uh, this texter says, nobody is talking about this, but if you take out the home plate umpire, at least the human humanity, uh, you also remove the art of catching. Uh, and he says a good catcher influences calls. I guess he's talking about, you know, framing pitches, and you guys know they're trying to do that. Yeah, I, I, I think a really good catcher is able to uh, enhance his pitcher's performance, for sure. Um, the very best catchers uh, have stolen a few from me, for sure. Yeah. And when do you pick up on that, though? Not till after, <laughs> after the game, or...? Um, or? I think some catchers get reputation after a while. There was a there was a catcher in the in the Western League. The, uh, his name was Jordan Procession. I think he's in the Yankees system. Oh yeah, now. yeah. Um, that guy presented every pitch just like it was the most wondrous pitch ever. Um, he was so good, so smooth, such great hands. I'm sure he stole a couple every game for me. Corey, uh, we're into the final minute, guys. I know you touched on it, uh, but what's it like now, seeing your son go through the process of becoming an umpire? Have you had any, like, oh, maybe this wasn't the right idea type moments? Uh, I mean, I was definitely nervous at first. Okay. I, I wasn't sure if he had the personality for it. Um, he, I mean, it's been amazing to watch him, and he has, you know, performed at a way higher level than I did when I started, for sure. Uh, so it's really, really cool to see that. Uh, he's, he's surprised me with how calm and mature he is. Uh, on the field, he's handled confrontation well. Uh, it's it's been a lot of fun to watch him for sure. All right, I, I'm glad you guys came in. This this was fascinating. We're gonna have to try to connect again because this was just a good, honest talk, and we learned that the tie doesn't go to the runner. And you were saying during the commercial, Darren, the hands aren't part of the bat. Correct. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You can buy bats without hands at your local. Uh, amazing. Store. Good to know. Hey, uh, more fun tomorrow. Colton Pareko scheduled to join us. Inside Sports on 6:30. Chad, have a great night. 6:30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins weekdays at 6 on 6:30 Chad